Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn about our podcast, daily devotional, how to contact us, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, answering questions about marriage. Let's read the passage together. This is 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians 7, 1. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. But because of immoralities, 1 Corinthians 7, 2, each man is to have his own wife, each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does, and likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another except by agreement for, time, for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Uh, there, this was a letter uh, that was written to Paul from the Corinthians, as we can see in verse 1. And the whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 7, is probably, I, I would say it is the most exhaustive chapter on marriage issues. So the chapter will include things like uh, intimacy in marriage. It will deal with singleness or celibacy. It will deal with widows. It will deal with abandonment and divorce. So if you're not married yet or you've been married or you've been widowed or divorced or whatever the case may be, this is going to speak to every situation. Eventually, we're going to get to probably every situation we can imagine in 1 Corinthians 7. But the first part, the first five verses, the focus this morning is intimacy within marriage. And Paul is going to answer some questions about marriage. I would imagine that you probably have questions about marriage. I would imagine that those of you who have been, even been married for decades still have questions about marriage. Can I get a witness? Anybody? Some questions are going to continue, right? They're just, they're just differences between men and women and so forth. We at uh, Living Truth, when we get a couple that comes to us and they want to get married, we require premarital counseling. And we do five one-hour sessions with a couple that's about to be married. But I will tell you that five one-hour sessions, a total of five hours of premarital counseling, cannot possibly prepare you for what's to come. And it's because a lot of us, when we were growing up, maybe we didn't see a good example. Maybe marriage wasn't talked about a lot in the house. Maybe you come from a broken, divorced background. Uh, in fact, I will tell you, as we broach this subject, even as I look out at you, the statistics say that one in three men, women have been sexually abused, sadly, and about one in six men have been sexually abused. So we bring our brokenness into the bedroom, literally. We can carry our baggage there. Those who study marriage and study the expectations going into marriage have commented that sometimes our expectations are so high as this person's going to solve all of our emptiness and all of, they're going to be our knight in shining armor. Well, we can be very disappointed the day after the wedding. In fact, the first year of marriage can be the hardest year. Because it's in that first year that you're making all of these adjustments and you're trying to learn the other person. And just FYI, you got their best while you were dating. 
Now you're going to see them in the morning with drool, you know, encrusted in their mouth and all that stuff. And that's why some of the ancients said that marriage is actually the school of discipleship. Because it's there that you're going to live in close proximity, tight quarters, day in and day out through the good times and the bad times, the tough days and the pleasant days. So marriage can help to comfort us through life, but it also can challenge us in very unique ways. And all of us probably could say that no matter how many books you've read on marriage or you know, how long you've been married or how much premarital counseling you had, it's just simply not enough. We need the Word of God and we need the power of God. And so this is what we're going to deal with today, questions about marriage. Namely, we're going to talk about sexual intimacy within marriage. Now, I want to tell you that before we get into the verses that it's important that we don't isolate this section of Scripture. This section of Scripture needs to be governed by other things in 1 Corinthians, for example. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let everything you do be done in love. And so if love is driving your spiritual life, then you won't do things out of selfishness. You won't do things, you know, just just to uh, get what you want out of marriage. In fact, the Bible says love is patient. 1 Corinthians 13, love is kind. It goes on to say love is not self-seeking. And for a lot of marriages in Corinth, and I would imagine in Corona today, the devil had gotten a foothold into people's marriages because we bring a lot of the worldly baggage into our marriages and into the bedroom. The culture today is saturated with sex, but not as God intended it. It's saturated with adultery and premarital sex. In fact, I think I read a stat that about 18 million people People or couples are now living together, unmarried, and get this, the majority of them are over 50 years old. And so people, you know, commentators of the time, movie stars, can give us a very negative view of marriage. In fact, sometimes you can be at work or in a social setting, and the conversation can quickly degrade into making fun of marriage and making fun of your spouse, and men making fun of women, and women making fun of men. And people basically just kind of waving the white flag about their marriage. That is not what God intended for your marriage to be. Marriage is from God. Before there was ever a formal church, before there was ever government, there was a family. And God pronounced through Moses for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now that one flesh statement in Hebrew specifically speaks of the intimacy within the marriage relationship. It does also speak of spiritual oneness and friendship oneness. But in Genesis 2.24, it speaks of intimacy within marriage, that literally the two become one flesh. Now, Paul had a very high view of marriage. He would call it what scholars call it archetypal. What does that mean? In Ephesians 5, Paul says, this is a great mystery, marriage, but I speak of Christ and the church. So your marriage is a message Your marriage is a message to a watching world, to your children, grandchildren, friends, about the gospel. Your marriage is supposed to be the gospel on display. And the only way that your marriage can be that is if it's Christ living through you and the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. 
Because let's face it, we are naturally selfish. We can easily gravitate to our own desires. We can want to get what we want to get out of marriage. And, you know, that's where a lot of divorces happen. That's not the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ is that we love each other, that we're patient with each other. Because we bring so much baggage to the marriage, because we can bring so much hurt and pain into the bedroom, it is going to call for patience and kindness and understanding. And even renewal and growth in some of these areas where we need it. So I want to encourage you that even though some of the subject matter is a little tough, it's something we need to hear. Here's where we are in the Bible. Paul's going to comment about our intimacy in marriage. Look at verse 1. Now concerning the things about which you wrote. Notice that the Corinthians had written a letter to Paul and they had questions about marriage. Just like maybe you would call a call-in Bible answer program and maybe you have questions about the Bible and about marriage. And some of this language is a little bit difficult. You need to understand the setting and the context of what scholars say about it. And what we do know plainly from verse 1 is that Paul is responding to a letter that the Corinthians had written him about their questions. They had a whole host of questions as it relates to marriage. And notice the next phrase. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. If you have an ESV, it says, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations, relations with a woman. And if you have an NIV, I think it says it's good not to marry. Now, what is going on here? What is Paul saying in verse 1? This could be a little bit confusing, and uh, there are two major views. On verse 1, some believe that Paul begins by asserting his own beliefs about what should be the ideal in the Christian life. It is better not to touch a woman, or better not to marry, or better not to have sexual relationship with a woman. That is not Paul's view, but let me qualify. Paul would affirm what the Bible says, that you are to find your fulfillment Intimately speaking, and you do have, we all have natural drives in that area, to be fulfilled within the context of a monogamous marriage relationship. One man and one woman for life. That's how God designed your body. It's not hard to see just by the way that God did anatomy. He designed the male and female to come together in this way. This is God's design, and it is beautiful. Despite the fact that the world has soiled it, and we can even bring some of those soiled views into the bedroom. It is God's design. And I fear that Satan has taken what God intended to be beautiful and he has soiled it. Now sex sells everything from cars to cheeseburgers. It's ridiculous where our culture has taken this. But I do believe that it is important for us to have a biblical view. Now even some of the ancients got this wrong. For example, John Chrysostom claims that virginity stands as far above marriage as the heavens stand above the earth. Jerome, who wrote the Vulgate, asserts, quote, all those who have, not, who have not remained virgins following the pattern of the pure chastity of angels and that of our Lord Jesus Christ himself are polluted, close quote. And even Augustine, the famous theologian, maintains that a marriage is not a good but it is a good in comparison with fornication or extramarital sex. He says continence is an angelic exercise, close quote. What these ancients are essentially saying is that marriage is not the best, celibacy is the best, and marriage is basically a compromise at best. Let me just say to you, that is false. 
That is a total misunderstanding of biblical revelation. And as much as I could respect Augustine and Jerome and Chrysostom, they have it wrong. God designed marriage. Hello, I'm Bert, A.K. Brother Bert from Corona, California, and you're listening to Walk in Truth. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Hey, we want to say thank you so much to the new financial partners for joining us in our mission to broadcast on more radio stations and to do more free apologetic teaching events. We've had some one-time donors too, and we're really grateful because that helped out our overall budget. I want to make it clear that we're not saying help us or we'll disappear from the radio station. The Lord and our existing partners have made it possible to be on this awesome station. Hello, I'm Bert from Corona, California. I listen to walk in truth because I hear the truth of the word of God. I'm a walk together partner because I would love for others to obtain the same thing that I'm enjoying in life. Praise the Lord. (laughs) We're asking for a new partnership with you. If we can get more listeners to commit to giving at least $30 a month, we can reach our goal and join more radio stations and do more events to reach the community. And did we mention that some of those stations are secular ones? We want to reach people that might not have even heard the gospel before. Please commit what you can. So please visit walkintruth.com and click donate. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. God designed marriage. And Paul says in 1 Timothy 4 that false teachers were teaching people to abstain from marriage and from foods that God created for us to enjoy. Paul actually says those who try to keep you from marriage are false teachers. Marriage is God's design and it is normative for most people. Most people will grow up, they will meet somebody, and they will get married. This chapter does deal with celibacy or singleness, but only addressing it as one who has the gift of singleness and celibacy. And Paul does affirm that it is easier, for example, if you're in the ministry or perhaps a missionary, it's a little easier if you're single because you don't have to worry about your spouse and you don't have to worry about children and so forth. You're more free to give maybe all of your time to the Lord's work. But that's the exception, not the rule. What will be normal for most people is that you will meet someone, you will marry them, and hopefully you will have a blessed marriage and family and all that goes with it. So Paul is dealing with the question. The second view uh, of verse 1, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, is that Paul is quoting their letter. Or that this saying, which you see in quotes in some of the versions, is a direct quotation in a line in the Corinthian letter. Just like in 6.12, when they were saying all things are lawful and Paul has to correct them or qualify it. Here, it seems to be that he is quoting something that they are saying. That it is good for a man not to touch a woman is their statement, and Paul is going to correct it. It's something that they were saying 
in their letter. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman is the essential meaning. The word touch is a euphemism in the scriptures for sexual intimacy. And so Paul is not saying that it is better if you don't marry or better that you're single. Paul would affirm what the Bible says elsewhere, that love and intimacy should be celebrated within marriage. But of course, in Corinth, there was so much confusion. Think about the culture for a second. The culture was filled with prostitution that seemed to be acceptable. A bunch of adultery was going on. There were perhaps, uh, some say, a thousand temple prostitutes who were serving false gods and goddesses and selling their wares to anybody who would be walking by. There was all kinds of sexual sin everywhere. So some of the Corinthians, when Paul came into town, they opened their heart to the gospel. Paul spent 18 months teaching them the word of God. But many of them were still confused, and they had brought all of their paganism, all their pagan past, now into their new relationship with Christ. Imagine if someone was a temple prostitute or someone was cheating on their spouse all the time and thought it was acceptable or someone was even involved in, in the temple and uh, false worship to gods and goddesses through sexual uh, sin. Imagine all the baggage, all the potential baggage that could come into the bedroom. Now you receive Jesus Christ and now you get a biblical view of what your sexuality should look like. There's a lot to fix. There's potentially a lot of hurt. There's a potentially a lot of wounds, a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of pain, and even a lot of forgiveness that would have to apply to marriages. And so this is what Paul is saying. Paul is correcting their view, and he will go on to do that in the chapter. It makes absolutely no sense that Paul is saying not to touch a woman or not to get married, and then he goes on for the next several verses talking about intimacy in marriage. He would be refuting his own argument. <laughs> That's why verse 1 has to be a line from their letter and their misunderstanding about God's plan for marriage. Paul, says one writer, is reacting to a particular situation at Corinth, not offering a compendium of his views of marriage and sexuality. You have to see that because Paul doesn't talk about a lot of different things as it relates to marriage because he is dealing with a specific situation. We could uh, talk about other scriptures, for example, uh, Genesis 2.18 says it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Proverbs 18.22 says he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 31.10 says an excellent wife who can find her worth is far above jewels. So Paul is not contradicting biblical revelation. He is simply correcting something that's amiss in the Corinthian mindset and things that we need to know as well. People who forbid marriage would be wrong. They would be false teachers. Hebrews 13.4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers God will judge. God highly honors marriage because he instituted marriage. It is his idea. If your marriage simply stands by the state seal of California, you're not going to make it. God wants your marriage to stand because of a covenant that you made with your bride or with your groom before him and a group of witnesses. He wants you to be true to that person for your whole life, to find a beauty of relationship that even will speak of the gospel. But there were some in Corinth that had decided 
that since sexual sin was part of their pagan past, maybe they shouldn't have sex anymore at all. In fact, there are indications here that some of the Corinthians, maybe male or female, decided that sex is bad. They got saved, and so they were going to become celibate even though they were married. They, They thought that their new life in Christ meant that they lived now on a spiritual higher plane. Gordon Fee believes that maybe these were some of the Corinthian women. Imagine this. Imagine a woman gets saved. She she becomes a Christian. She's married to a non-Christian man. Maybe she thinks that if she's going to be with him sexually, somehow she gets polluted or compromises herself before the Lord. There were some that believed that sex, intimacy, and marriage was part of the old life. And now that we're in Christ, we're like the angels who are neither married nor given in marriage. So imagine you're a husband, you've come home from a long day at work, your wife comes home and she says to you, honey, I've made a decision I need to let you know about. What's the decision, babe? Well, the decision is I'm now going to be celibate. Can you imagine the husband? What? You've made this decision all on your own? What are you talking about? You're going to be set. Well, sex is bad and it's evil and you know what they do in the pagan temples and all of that. And I think we need to live on a higher plane. Can you imagine the spouse, whether male or female, going, help, Raggy. What do you do now? Can we FedEx this letter to the Apostle Paul? Is there any overnight service? Because now that spouse would be stuck. If you've committed yourself in vows to another person and that person will no longer be intimate with you, you've got no other options biblically. You're stuck. You've made a commitment to be pure and to be faithful to this person and have your sexual intimacy be only for them and they for you. And if they say no more, you're going to go, uh-oh, this is tough. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and this was part one of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, answering questions about marriage. Visit our online store to get DVDs, CDs, and books which will help equip you with the information you need to explain and defend your faith. Also, to learn about other religions or cults. If you'd like to learn about the origins of Christmas, how December 25th became the holiday when Jesus was born in another month, get the DVD on walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. You got to dot your I's and cross your T's in life, right? But you especially want to do that before you get married. You want to go into marriage with your eyes wide open. Then after you get married, keep them half shut. That's one of the keys to marriage. (laughs) Hey, but you should be getting your questions answered before you get married. Or if you are married, get them answered anyway. For example... Does your theology line up and add up? Talk to each other about it. Do you believe the same thing? Do you want to build your life on the same foundation? What does the Bible say about children and intimacy and priority of worship? And where do we invest our money and how much do we give? These are all questions that you do need to address ahead of time. You should get premarital counseling mandatory before you get married. And some people say, you know, we do like five one-hour sessions. People say, five one-hour sessions? Uh, Hopefully you're going to be spending the next 50 years together. So five hours of training for marriage is probably a really good idea. You probably need more like 50, but you know what I'm saying. So, hey, 
Get that training that you need. If you have questions about marriage, you can ask us your question. Send it to walkintruth.com. Ask us your question. Give us a prayer request. We'd love to reach out to you. And I want to invite you to our Wednesday night service um, as we are going through Advent messages here the whole month of December. We're excited that the hope of the the hope of Christmas is Jesus, the God of hope, and we're going to be celebrating him all uh, December on Sundays and Wednesdays at Living Truth in the City of Corona, the great church behind Walk in Truth. If you'd like to come out to our midweek 7 p.m. service, you can find out information and directions when you download the app in the App Store, Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your App Store. The church is at 1009 Arsenal Way, right off of the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Hey, by the way, I'd like to invite you also to a special Christmas celebration we're having. We're doing the big theme is the season of hope, a season of hope, and we're doing a season of hope Christmas celebration on December the 7th. We're going to have a great kids praise play on that early evening the Little Drummer Dude. Oh, we have a great group of kids that do a great play. And then afterwards, we're going to have ornament decorating. We're going to have hot cocoa. We're going to have uh, pony rides. Uh, so much more. This would be a great thing to come out and celebrate the season with your family. It is Saturday, December 7th at Living Truth. Download the Living Truth app and you can find out all the information. Bring your family out. Call us and we'll give you the information at 844 844- 48 Truth. Just call us during normal business hours, 844-48 Truth. God bless you and we'll talk to you next time. Tune in tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's study in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, answering questions about marriage. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.